take your Bible tonight and go with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Now, gang, you know me, and a lot of you have known me for a long time. Uh, you know I'm not a long-distance runner. <laughs> I, I run to supper. <laughs> I run to eat. <laughs> Occasionally, I, I run to the restroom. <laughs> I'll run to preach. <laughs> but I'm not a long-distance runner. <laughs> I let my vehicle do the running for me. <laughs> not that I'm against long-distance running, right? I personally know some long-distance runners. I've talked to him. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, Jeff Gurley and I, we, we felt emboldened to take part in the uh, turkey trot one year. And uh, we were kind of like running buddies, running partners, encouraging partners. And so anyway, we did the turkey trot. And I'm sure Jeff probably has continued to do that. But old CP fell by the wayside. Uh, I did so poorly in the turkey trot <laughs> that uh, I decided to retire my <laughs> My running shoes. <laughs> I ran home after that and ate Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's what I did. But anyway, uh, here's one thing I know about long-distance running and long-distance runners. Long-distance running can take a heavy toll on the human body. The heart rate can go from 80 beats to a, a minute to over 180 beats a minute. Uh, I know this, that during long-distance running, your muscles tear. You're uh, actually and temporarily shorter than you were before due to the compression of the 23 discs in your vertebrae. During long-distance running, 80% of your blood is shunted away from your vital organs. I know that during long-distance running, you can experience joint-rending cramps, muscle collapse, Blisters, muscle strain, skin abrasions, exhaustion, lightheadedness, gastrointestinal distress, back and joint pain, <laughs> and the list goes on and on and on. I can only imagine. Uh, I've only tried to run long distance one time, and that really wasn't long. Three miles a 5k that's really not a long long distance but i've talked to uh, people who have run marathons and 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 not just half marathons full marathons my brother-in-law has participated in in uh ironman competitions uh here in in our state north carolina and then other parts of the country and then just man you talk about endurance that's something right there. Uh, miles and miles and miles and miles of running, miles and miles of biking, miles of swimming. Whew. I can only imagine it would be very easy to lose heart. Our passage tonight, Galatians 6 verse 9, talks about losing heart. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The word weary there literally means to be weak, to, to fail in heart. We understand that. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 But ye, brethren, be not weary 
in well doing, or the doing of well, the doing of good. The word faint literally means to loosen one's grip. Uh, we, we, we've heard uh, people say, and we may have even felt it or said it ourselves, you know, I just can't hold on any longer. What we're saying is, is that we just don't feel like we can endure anymore. I can't hold on any longer. Uh, I remember as a kid <laughs> trying to climb down my, our back deck when I was a little kid. And we lived in, in Raleigh, and we lived, uh, our, our, our backyard sloped down uh, to the back of the property. And uh, our, our back deck uh, was actually on the second level of the home. And I remember one time, I don't know why, I, I had this crazy urge to climb down from the back deck. And my buddy was with me. And you know how you do dumb things when you're a kid and your friend challenges you to do it. My buddy challenged me to do it, and I began to climb down, and then all of a sudden I realized I didn't have the strength, the stamina, <laughs> or the courage <laughs> to make it all the way down. And so I kind of froze, uh, but I was already on the outside of the deck, hanging on the wood, and I was too scared to let go and to drop down uh, to the yard. And uh, I told my buddy, I said, hey, you got to go get my big brother. Man, who wants to call their big brother? You got to go get my big brother. I said, because I don't know how much longer I can hang on. <laughs> and sure enough, he ran and got my big brother. My older brother came and stood under me and he said, all right, drop, drop. <laughs> I said, are you sure you're going to catch me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how big brothers are. They just as easily <laughs> let you fall and bust your head open <laughs> to catch you. I said, man, I can't hold on anymore. Maybe some of the ones I'm talking to right now, you feel in your spirit and you say, Christian, I, 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 there's some situations I can't hang on anymore. There's, there's situation at church or situation in my life and my marriage, my private world, my work. Maybe, maybe in dealing with temptation or dealing with frustration. I, I, I just, I don't know how much longer I can hang on. Maybe dealing with a difficult child or a difficult situation. I just don't know how much longer I can hang on. Don't know how much more I can take. And what Paul is doing here, dear ones, in Galatians 6 verse 9, is he is continuing with this agriculture imagery that he began with of, of seed time and harvest. That, 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 hey, there's a time to plant. There's a time to work. There's a time to, 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 to tend to the soil and to plant. And then, then, but one day is coming when there's going to be a harvest. And whatever we sow, we're also going to reap. But then he not just specifically, he, he turns it from talking about how, how if we sow corruption, we're going to reap Corruption and, and, but, but he turns it to the positive and he turns it to those who have endured unimaginable suffering, who have been tempted to compromise, who have been serving the Lord. And he says, I want you to know that if you keep persevering and keep pressing on, if you don't lose heart, you're going to reap. You're going to receive a reward. It literally carries the idea of persevering without feigning. So let me ask you three questions tonight. Question number one, with what do we become weary? 
With what do we become weary? Or in other words, let's talk about the realms of our weariness. Well-doing literally means the doing of good. Paul is talking about doing well, doing right, doing good. Perhaps it's in spiritual service. Maybe in in blessing others. Uh, uh, Here in the text, he's talking about striving to live righteously and honoring Jesus. And listen, all those are mentioned here in Galatians 6. And you, dear friends, so many of you, you are active in all of these areas in spiritual service. So many of you have a, 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 a volunteer ministry responsibility. You're serving in some capacity. Many of you have been serving for a long time. Many of you are active in behind the scenes blessing others. If you see a need, you strive to meet the need. You strive to bless others with your actions, your gifts, your words. And then, man... By the help and grace of God, we strive to live righteously and to honor the Lord. One writer, Timothy George, said that throughout Galatians 5 and 6, listen to this, Paul has instructed the Christians of Galatia to do a number of specific things. Expel the agitators. Love your neighbors as yourself. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit by manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. Uh, Practice church discipline by restoring those who have fallen. Bear one another's burdens. Examine yourself in light of the judgment seat of Christ. Provide material and financial support for those who instruct you in the faith. And on and on we could go. The book of Galatians is filled with all kinds of principled, sound pieces of spiritual instruction. And I can only imagine, man, here they are, they're getting to the end, the last chapter. And he says, now, no, 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 don't get overwhelmed. Don't lose heart. How easy is it for us, gang, for us to end our spiritual service and trying to live right and do right? We just seem to lose heart. Question number one, with what do we become weary? Question number two, why do we become weary? You thought about that? Why is it? Why is it that we become weary as a Christian in serving the Lord and doing what's right and persevering? We've seen the realms of our weariness. Let's talk about the reasons for our weariness. Well, I think there are several. I'm not going to list all of them. We could be here all night talking about all of the reasons somebody could get weary, but let me just mention a handful. I think sometimes we get weary because we have limited personal resources. Limited personal resources. I mean, we become physically depleted, mentally depleted, emotionally, spiritually spent. Labor, fatigue, Effort, expense, maybe, difficulty, tears, time investment, on and on I could go. Things that we personally invest. We invest our own energy, our own strength, and we only have a a limited certain amount of that. We run out. We get weary. Our energy gets depleted. Our emotions get depleted. Our time gets depleted. Our endurance level in ourselves, in our own strength, gets depleted. 
Man, you can only do so much. You can only go so long. You can only spend so much and give so much. And then we run out of our own resources. We have limited resources, but we also, there's a second reason, we also have a persistent common enemy. There is a common enemy that constantly fights against us. Paul's converts were facing pressure from two extremes. Number one, they were facing pressure from the extreme of legalism and looseness. Self-righteousness and unrighteousness. And dear one, you know both extremes are manifestations of the flesh. Sometimes we think, well, legalism is an extreme uh, manifestation of an extreme of spiritfulness and spirituality. No, that's not true at all. Legalism is a manifestation of pride and ego in the flesh, just as looseness is. Neither of them honor God. And our enemy works on us double time to have us not fulfill and live a biblical balance, but to go from one extreme to the other. We don't rebound, we ricochet. (laughs) And we're doing this back and forth. God says, I don't want you to live that way. Don't, don't, Don't give any ground to the enemy. George Whitfield said, the more progress you make in your spiritual life, the greater your conflict with the forces of evil. I believe that. Some of you watching right now, you're thinking, Christian, you know what? I didn't have this nearly this much trouble when I wasn't living for God. (laughs) And you know what? You very well may be right. Because I do believe what Whitfield said is true. Because when you signed up and said yes to Jesus, I promise you there was a target put on your back. So how do we defeat? How do we... How do we avoid becoming defeated by the weariness? That's the last question. I call that the remedy to our weariness. (laughs) We've talked about the realms, the reasons. This is the remedy. Well, first of all, we learn that if we're going to defeat this weary spirit, then we have to fully rely, rely fully on God's strength and not our own. It's interesting to me that so much here in Galatians deals with the Spirit-filled life. Chapter 5, verse 5, he says, hey, be patient in the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 16, he says, hey, walk in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 25, I want you to live, God said, in the Holy Spirit. You see the common denominator? It's not a thing. It's not an it. It's a person the person, the third person of the Trinity, the blessed comforter, the paraclete, as Jesus called Him in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. The precious Holy Spirit called to come alongside of us. God in us, the Holy Spirit. God said, I want you to live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Depend on the Spirit. Don't depend on your own strength, friend, because we don't have what it takes, but the Holy Spirit, He is who we need. His resources never run out. His supply never runs low. If there's absolutely no, there's absolutely no way all the time that we can give out and not give out. 
without His fullness. If in your strength you give out and give out and give out and give out and give out, then you're eventually going to give out. You're not going to have anything left. Rely fully on His strength and not our own. And then remember the law of sowing and reaping. Charles Spurgeon said, the the rule of reaping, what we sow is not changed under the gospel, but it obtains an importance greater than before. For now we sow better seed, and through grace we reap a richer harvest. And friend, I believe that. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season, he says, we're going to reap. If we faint not. The phrase in due season literally means at the proper time. It's the same expression found in Galatians 4.4 where God says in the fullness of time or at the right time. When the time was right, Christ was born. The Messiah came. There will come a time or come a day, God said, when there will be the reaping and the harvesting. We must be careful friend, about putting too much stock in outward results. If we focus only on those things, we can get awfully discouraged. We have a sovereign God who has promised that His Word and our work will not be in vain. According to the laws of nature, sowing is never immediate. Sowing is never immediately followed by reaping. There's always a waiting period. You tend to the soil. You plant that seed in the ground. You cover it up. That seed literally dies. And then comes the harvest afterward. Then there is always a harvest. Henry C. Morrison was a great missionary. He and his wife served the Lord in Africa for over 40 years. And on the way back to the United States for their final time, when they were returning for good from the mission field. He began to wonder, will anybody remember us? Will anybody be there to greet us? Unknown to Henry and his wife, President Teddy Roosevelt of the United States was on board that ship. He had gone to Africa for a long hunt, one of his safaris. And when their ship pulled into New York Harbor, He looked to see if anyone had come to welcome them back home. (laughs) You know what he saw? He saw thousands of people there on the docks cheering. Bands were playing. There were signs, banners, billboards everywhere that said, Welcome home. And for just a brief moment, Henry and his wife got a little excited. (laughs) They thought the crowd's people there were there to welcome them. And that's when they realized... The crowd wasn't for them, it was for President Roosevelt. Henry Morris and his wife, as they made their way off the ship, they went to their hotel room with a heavy heart. He sat there in that hotel room in New York City, sitting on the end of his bed, and he asked his wife, Honey, I just don't get it. For 40 years we poured our lives into ministry and service, and yet we come back to America and not a single soul comes to welcome us home. 
His wife heard what he said and came and sat down beside him. She put her hand on his shoulder. She looked at him and said words that he would never forget. She said, Henry, have you forgotten something? (laughs) We're not home yet. We're not home yet. And I want to say to us, dear friends, don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't get weary in well-doing. We are not home yet. And the day is coming when, when we do get home to heaven with Jesus. That's when the harvesting is going to come. Let's pray together. Our Father, in Jesus' name, as we close our service tonight, help us to persevere in faith and to be strong in You and the power of Your might, not in our own. Thank You for our dear people. I don't know who it is that needs this this evening, but I know I've been directed by Your Spirit to share it, and I pray that You would be glorified in it. May this week be a week as we persevere and as... You show yourself strong on our behalf. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.